from the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona. This is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Hello, I'm your host for this segment of Outpost Outspoken, Anna Henderson. Today, I welcome longtime Yuma Proving Ground employee, Quentin Sorensen. He is currently the acting lead for the Mortars One team in the Munitions and Weapons Division. Welcome, Quentin. Hey. Before we get into your current role, tell me about your start at YPG. Now, your degree is in mechanical engineering. What interested you in mechanical engineering? I grew up always interested in building and designing things. Legos, Tinker Toys, all those kind of construction toys and and construction sets and things that kids had. Those were always my favorite things was to build something of my own to take it out and play with. And then as I played with it to improve it and build on that and and make it better. As I got older and realized, oh, that's what engineers do. I want to be an engineer. And about the time I got into high school, I realized that probably mechanical would be the one I most like just because it was the most diverse most engineering or a lot of the other engineering fields kind of get very pigeonholed right you do one thing in civil those buildings or or roads or things like that and I just like mechanical I can go anywhere I can do a lot of things with a mechanical be people have moving parts and lots of things so I was like that, that just opens my opportunities and um, as I started in the into my college courses, I was like, yeah, nope, this is the right place. I'm, I'm not moving. I like what I'm doing. I like the ideas that we're, we're studying. So just kind of stuck with it. And you're from Yuma, but you didn't really know that you had an opportunity to use your degree as a mechanical engineer here until a close friend told you about it? Yeah. So my family moved here in 92 to Yuma and I'd heard about YPG drove past it all the time was like oh uh, you know there's the big guns out there but I didn't really know what was going on I knew you know people jumped out of airplanes sometimes because you'd see them but I didn't realize what all was here at YPG and what was going on and as, as I was getting close to finishing up college a friend of the family who we'd gone to church with a former employee who was the head of animal management Chuck Butler was telling my parents oh yeah they hire engineers out at YPG he's like well you know, let me let me get you some information. And he got me the, at the time, EC3's contact information. And I jumped on their website. And I put out, I don't know, maybe 50 applications, different jobs all over the place. And this was the only one that responded at all. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm just supposed <laughs> to go back to Yuma. Um, yeah, so I've been here for 16 years now. It's meant to be. Now, you have been a test officer, like you said, for 16 years. Tell me about your job. So I came in on a program called ENLOS in the mid to early, early to mid-2000s. They had started doing this whole revamp, trying to, like, put everything in the Army onto, like, one chassis and simplify things and, and this kind of big program. And so I was working on the... Um, self-propelled howitzer version of that when I came in. And I spent, oh, the first year and a half or so doing that. And then when that program got changed to something else, they started moving me around. And I've since then, I've done a little bit of everything. If M&W does it, I've probably had my fingers in it. I've tested propellants. I've tested projectiles. I've tested weapon systems. I've tested whole vehicle things, not just, just the guns. I've done all kinds of testing. Uh, 
been out here at nights all night doing stuff. I've been out here on weekends. I even got the fortunate experience of coming out on a holiday one time and <laughs> happened to leave my family at the lake um, because, you know, deadlines needed to be met. But I have seen a little bit of everything. It's been a lot of fun and a lot of excitement, a lot of different things. So it provided you that diverse opportunity that you were looking for when you originally chose mechanical engineering. Yeah, it's been very diverse. I, I have changed programs and teams several times. M&W needed some help doing this or that, and they just moved me over to somewhere else, and I pick it up and go with it. It's been great. I was speaking with interns, the summer interns earlier, and they talked a lot about that the job here isn't just engineering. It's like a circle of uh, work that you do when it comes to managing a program and managing the money, managing the people. So they talk a lot about the soft skills that it takes and just the whole picture. Do you find yourself dealing with all of that as a test officer? Yeah, so this this was a very different job than what I had expected. Going through engineering, the engineering program in college, you get the idea that you're going to come out, you know, okay, you're in charge of this little widget, and you'll work your way up eventually to some kind of management position. And this one, you just kind of skip all that. You go straight into the project management. And they put you in there and you're like, okay, here's this project that we need done. And it, it may be a day or two project, or it may be a long-running multi-month or multi-year project. And it's like, here you go. Uh, you need to figure out your schedule, your budget. You got to work with the people. You got to manage all of this. You got to keep things flowing. You got to communicate locally and with people outside of YPG. And I find that I did not miss the opportunity to do like the small detail design and I really enjoyed the project management aspect. I came in and got some information from my team lead at the time when I started. And she said, look, the, the people on the ground can really determine how well things go. And so I always tried to make sure that I was running a team rather than directing my minions kind of, <laughs> right? right? So I, I wanted to make sure people were, felt like they knew they had some say in what was going on. And... I feel like I have always been able to get whatever I asked for. People know that I'm being honest with them and that I'm going to treat them with respect and that if they want to disagree, that I'm willing to listen. And I think it's done, done me a lot of good because I have never had a program not finish on time unless there was some kind of catastrophic mechanical failure with parts or something. It's always worked out. People have always stepped up and given me whatever I needed. You started as a new test officer. Now you are a senior test officer. How do you help guide this newer generation? Um, so I think it goes back to the, the same thing I was saying about what I felt like I'd learned, that if a test officer will learn to work with his people rather than tell the people what to do, that it's going to help him get the project done. It'll help him with his relationship with the people and then the support, the various support groups are going to want to work with you. They're going to want to put out extra effort. And then when people like you and you have a relationship, you can count on them to help you out and to support you. And I think it just helps a lot of people understand that as I, I've tried to tell that to everybody. Look, you're not doing this alone. And if you don't have their buy-in and their support and their help, you're never going to get anywhere. And I've tried to pass that on the same way it was given to me in the hopes that they can grow and develop and have that and feel like they're being successful. And you're currently the acting lead. How has that been a change of pace and what do you enjoy about being a lead? And I'm sure it kind of ties into what you just said. 
Yeah, it really does. It, it gives me, so I, I have been able to step back a little bit from me running a program and managing this project or that project more to helping people manage their projects. I really enjoy the the idea that I am helping other people grow and develop and build skills rather than just I'm handling this program for them. So it, it's been nice. I, I'm really hoping that the next opportunity that comes up that I, when I can apply, I'm, I'm really hoping I can get that because I'd really like to make this a permanent deal. I've, I've really, really enjoyed helping other engineers develop those skills. And I, I feel like that would be a good change of pace to do more of that and less of the program management. Well, it's always important to pass down that institutional knowledge and pass down the information that you've learned because, again, like you said, you've been through the paces. So switching it up a little bit, getting personal here, I want to mention, if somebody doesn't know this about you, that you are equally busy, if not more, outside of work because you are the father of nine kids. And between you and your wife, you make sure these kids are in tons of extracurricular activities. Tell me about your outside of work life. So yeah, I have nine kids, two sets of twins, and um, they, they definitely keep us busy. On top of just having nine kids, a long time ago, we decided that we wanted to homeschool and that has changed and evolved into the point where my wife now works with a whole bunch of other people who decided they wanted to homeschool and kind of has this big group. So yeah, they, they keep us busy, it, it, it's exciting. Yeah, sometimes coming to work feels like taking a break because I know my <laughs> wife is way busier at home with all of that. I want to ask you, how many times have you received a phone call that your wife was in labor while at work? Actually, never. So we had six of the nine since I've been working here, and it always worked out that it happened on like a a weekend or it was a scheduled C-section. So I never got the call like downrange. <laughs> You need to come home now. So I, I was kept hoping that that would happen, <laughs> that I could like, I'm out. See <laughs> Bye, everyone. Yeah, nope, but no, no, it never happens. Quentin, thank you for your time. It was great talking to you. And thank you for everything that you do supporting the warfighter here at YPG. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Hello, I'm Mark Schauer. After a career in the armed forces that included eight overseas deployments, some veterans might feel they have served their country enough. For YPG pilot Scott Myers, however, retirement from active duty merely marked a different phase of service. The former Marine Corps and Navy pilot, who has worked here for more than a decade, wasn't satisfied with merely his demanding job. Looking for a chance to volunteer, he heard about the Civil Air Patrol. How did you first get involved with Civil Air Patrol? Well, um, career military guy, uh, growing up in uh, Tucson and, and uh, later in uh, in Phoenix area, I was involved with sports, um, heavily involved with, with Boy Scouts and that sort of thing, and then uh, which kind of spurned my interest in, in military. But uh, CAP was uh, mainly, after I got out here, a buddy of mine, uh, Chris Christian, who was a former uh, NAC attack alumni like I was, um, test officer engineer introduced me because he had a, a prior background in, in CAP. He ended up leaving to take another government position. And, uh, but he, uh, before he left, um, he and I went down to the local, uh, CAP unit and, uh, I ended up liking it so much, mainly the people, the people were just really nice people and, uh, they're volunteers. I mean, they're, they're, they're volunteers. And so their, their heart's really in the right place. And, 
And so I thought that was really neat. And the missions are really cool because they're really focused on cadets, um, you know, leadership of the cadets, supporting that, and also uh, aviation. And you've, using aviation as a conduit for um, community community service is really the, the big catalyst for me. So in a given year, how many cadets do you have at a certain time? I would say it, it ebbs and flows. It, it kind of diminished during the pandemic, of course, and but it's it's um, it was really big before the pandemic, but after the pandemic, it's really grown back up again. And what sort of things do you do with the cadets? Um, you name it. Um, a STEM is the the first thing that comes to mind because um, I mean they they build rockets, they fly RC airplanes, they build cars, uh, you name it, and uh, they even do. Um, uh, computer security type stuff where they compete. Uh, it's called Cyber Patriot, but they actually have competitions where they actually uh, compete um, who can protect networks the best. You've been involved for some years now, so you've seen some of these cadets graduate from the program and enter the military or academies themselves. Yeah, I mean, but you name it, um, and I fly with a lot of them too because I get to know them when I when I when I fly with them, and I'd say the majority of them are probably middle school. Uh, age group all the way up for seniors in high school and some are in college. I mean, you name it from from folks, uh, young young kids that wanted to be um, attorneys, you know, they want to be doctors and lawyers. Um, some want to be fighter pilots. Um, some want to do CAP and, and, and go on to do other things. But um, I'd say probably about half of the Civil Air Patrol cadets that I've, I've met and talked to uh, want to make a, a career out of the military. And a lot of them, some of them enlist, uh, there's been some some folks that have gone to SAR swimmer school, um, both in, in the in the Navy and that sort of thing, um, and there's there's been folks also that have uh, gone on to the service academies and uh, now flying F-16. So, uh, you you name it, all all uh, you know it's a big spectrum of, of people because everybody's different, um, but um, but yeah, it's a really good conduit for uh, community service, um, both for the individual uh, for the STEM training. Also for the aviation interest, it's all really good. I've done search and rescue missions with, with cadets too, and um, they do really well. Now, recently you flew a mission of mercy for a non-human passenger. What was that about? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, another CAP member, a uh, buddy of mine, and also uh, in, involved with leadership in CAP, he uh, needed a check ride. I'm a check pilot. I'm a mission pilot and a check pilot. And so um, we scheduled it. He had to get his check ride this this month, and our plane was out for maintenance for a long time. And so we got the plane back, and uh, so he wanted to fly with me Friday morning, so we scheduled that uh, one, early in the morning, ideally, because it's cooler. Um, but anyway, we scheduled that that mission, uh, and I was going to do his check ride. But then he called me the next day and said that um, uh, the, the, current, the current commander for the squadron is also involved with um, – he's a veteran, but they have a group of um raptor um basically they specialize in in re uh, rehabbing raptors i mean hawks owls you know eagles you name it and they do everything from um you know i've heard the term hawkers they do things like hunt with them um or this do demos they'll do demos for like kids and that sort of thing but anyway this particular hawk it's not a red tail hawk it was another name for it uh the name escapes me for right now but it was injured during the hurricane that came through up in Lake Havasu. But whoever found it uh, notified a local vet service who knew, found or knew about the Raptor Rehab Group here in Yuma, contacted, and plus Yuma is pretty close to Lake Havasu, and uh, contacted the group down here. And um, 
they they were going to euthanize the hawk because the hawk, um, two good wings, um, strong legs, strong the body was fine, um, except for the jaw. The jaw was broken, and so the hawk had some kind of impact injury during the storm, and had a broken jaw. So the the hawk couldn't survive on, on its own. It needed help uh, nourishment through droppers or whatever they used to give the hawk nourishment and hydration. But the, the hawk um, needed uh, definitely human intervention to survive. But there was a group up in the Phoenix area that specialized in wildlife refurbishment, uh, re, you know, getting back to health. But um, this particular hawk, um, they found out about it, and they, they said, hey, don't euthanize the hawk. Get it to us. We think we can help it. And so um, I got the call that in addition to giving um, this guy, this individual a check ride, um, if we could also fly the Hawk to uh, Phoenix Deer Valley Airport and then drop it off, they were going to meet us to this rehab group and then met up with um, some really nice folks, two ladies that were associated with this rehab um, organization. I didn't even think to ask her what her name was, but she um, expertly reached in the box, grabbed the raptor by the, by the legs, flipped it upside down, checked it out, Everything worked. The wings, the legs were fine. Turned it upright, and then Stuart and I were both uh, disenthralled by this raptor, uh, seeing this hawk up that close. So we're taking pictures of it, and really impressed with um, how she uh, handled the, the 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 bird. And I told her, uh, just smiling, that I think that she did this a few times in the past. And she said she did. She had some experience handling um, raptors of this type. So. How's the hawk doing right now? Uh, fine. As far as I know, the hawk's doing fine. From what I've been told, the way they do it is they actually go in and wire the jaw shut, and um, and they, they let it heal up, and they feed the, the, the patient intravenously, same, just like a human. And and so they um, they feed the, the bird intravenously and let the jaw um, bones heal. And then after a few weeks, um, the, the bones are refused. They uh, take the wires out and then... Uh, you know, let let the let the raw hawk get used to using its jaw muscles again and get strong again, health wise. Do you get a sense of satisfaction from all the aspects of your Civil Air Patrol service? Absolutely. I mean, I, I love I love CAP. Everything about it. Um, I love to teach, and that's part of CAP. I really enjoy um, um, teaching kids. Um, you know, and and, uh, and adults. You know, and, and seeing them grow and, and learn. And uh, really enjoy the interaction, and I I truly feel that um, teaching is just an extension of learning. Scott Myers, it's really good visiting with you today. Hey, you too, you too, always good time. Thanks. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the forefront of Army transformation.